Welcome all, once again, it is Monday, February 11th, 2019, and this is episode 3 of the Bobby Bites Podcast. Ah, the smell of spring rumors is in the air. Microsoft edition. Today's podcast, as you can guess, is all about Microsoft and spring announcements. So, let's jump right in. Uh, As you know, uh, today or yesterday there was a teaser video released uh, from Microsoft regarding an announcement at the upcoming uh, Mobile World Congress event in Barcelona, Spain. Now, the event itself is being held uh, February 25th through the 28th, but Microsoft has a press event scheduled for the 24th. Now, this teaser video doesn't show a whole lot, just some random mechanical imagery, but it does kind of allude to the possibility, uh, or at least what everyone's thinking, is a HoloLens 2 announcement. Sounds plausible to me. And, of course, pretty exciting. Now, HoloLens 1 was a great device. I had a chance to see all the demos. Uh, I have been really excited about what I saw from industry verticals that, that they've used this device in. Uh, the the applications, uh, I know there's been this gaming slant to it. There's also uh, industry applications and in, in engineering in the medical profession. And a lot of that stuff is really exciting. And, of course, just in general, what the HoloLens 2, 2 is capable of. You know, we're talking about augmented reality here where, you know, you can see a scene and then through the scene something is projected into your field of vision, uh, allowing you to interact with it. Now, that sounds really cool, and it is really cool. It's kind of a step beyond uh, or a step in addition to virtual reality. And it's really exciting to see what Microsoft is capable of here. So... If there is a HoloLens 2 hardware announcement, I would assume this is going to be a further advancement on what they're already doing, maybe a smaller, lighter device, uh, better depth of field. I think that was one of the major complaints about the the original HoloLens. Maybe even an ARM processor in this device, something that's going to give you even better battery life, a lighter device, something that is even more portable. Fairly exciting, and I would love to see uh, what they bring to the table with this. Now, that being said... As we all know, Mobile World Congress is more of a mobile show, and there's going to be tons and tons of announcements around mobile devices, mobile hardware, phones, handsets, uh, mobile operating systems, you name it. So we're expecting Mobile World Congress, of course, as it is, to have more of that sort of thing to it. So what would HoloLens be doing there? You know, to me, it just moves right along with the the entire idea of mobile you know you're looking at internet of things we're talking about wearables we're talking about virtual reality augmented reality it's kind of not where we are right now but it's where we're going uh, i think that microsoft is looking at so it'd be great to see you know what the hololens do is capable of what it's going to bring to the table and how per se it could interact with your 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 day-to-day mobile life you know what you could use it for what if this is going to have a consumer slant to it and a gaming slant or if we're going to see more just industry vertical stuff who knows i don't really want to speculate i'd like to see it all uh that's just you know that's just my take i'm i'm fairly open to seeing any new ideas and to see what what they're capable of and i'm not gonna you know i'm not gonna put anything down until i actually see it touch it and feel it and and see what it you know what it can do so uh, with that being said, moving right along, in addition to that at Mobile World Congress, I was just thinking about what Microsoft could possibly show off, you know, just as, just to play devil's advocate, just to see what else they could do there. And my thoughts center around what's been rumored to be called Windows Lite. 
you know, we all know about Windows Mobile. We know where that went. We know where Windows Phone went. We know about Windows RT. We know how Windows 10 S. Uh, these were all variations on Windows considerably lighter than the full OS version. They were all considered mobile, you know, mobile-centric versions of Windows or limited in some way or capacity. Just to give you an example, Windows 10 S, I had no problem with. It was a, you know, it was completely usable. It's just that when you just when you needed to go beyond the core, you know, apps that were available in the Windows Store, or if you needed to do something with a little bit more of a professional piece of software, then you had to or you were prompted to uh, install Windows Home or Windows Pro, which, you know, not not a huge limitation. I mean, nothing that we didn't get around. But then it made you, you know, most people uh, are going to run into that at some point or another, and most people are going to install either Photoshop or some other professional piece of software because most of us use our PCs, you know, at home and at work. So that being said, what could something like a Windows Lite uh, bring to a mobile show? And that just made me think, you know, maybe something along the lines of more of a mobile-centric UI, uh, something more uh, friendly to mobile devices, something more cross-platform, say. Um, it, it could be it could be anything at this point. I mean, we could say, you know, Windows Lite could be the you know the successor or the the spiritual successor to Windows Mobile, but running the Windows Core OS or the Core kernel itself. So, you know, I don't know. I'm not gonna try to speculate, and and I don't think Windows Lite itself, of course, would be the name of this or whatever it would be or whatever it would be called. And I'm not a hundred percent sure that this would even show up at Mobile World Congress. It's just something that. You know, like I said, something to throw out there just in, in instead of just HoloLens by itself. Now, moving past Mobile World Congress, I want to shift gears just a little bit before I get into the rest of the events and the rest of the rumors and do something that is a first for the podcast. Of course, you know, we're only on episode three, so there's going to be a lot of firsts for this podcast. But I do want to give you guys a quick book review, uh, specifically an audible book review for Brad Sams Beneath the Surface. Um, as you know, Brad Sams is the host of the Sams Report podcast and the First Ring Daily podcast. You can also find the First Ring Daily over at therot.com, uh, which is where the, the man, the legend, the myth, Mr. Paul Therot, hangs his proverbial hat. Um, and, of course, I think if anyone has been following this book at all, you know that uh, Paul Therot also, um, I believe, edited the version or edited the book for Brad, but I just want to say uh, to Brad, I finally was able to get the Audible version, which is what I was waiting for. Um, it's uh, not a very long book you're looking at. I think it's four hours Audible, something like that. So you could listen to it in just a couple of sessions or like me, just power through, listen to the whole thing and then go back and listen again to see what you missed the first time around. Uh, the book is well... Um, it's, it's, it's well worded. It's well written. It's great. Uh, just to give you guys an idea, the reason that I'm talking about this book, um, is I've, I guess I'm just finally admitting that I'm enamored with Microsoft Surface products. I have been since they launched, I've been uh, playing with every single new device to come out and I've just been super kind of excited about what the future holds for Surface. So I wanted to dig a little deeper and this book, uh, of course, you know, Brad's got the inside scoop, so he, he presented this in a way that was really well written, well worded. Uh, I love listening to it. It was entertaining. 
um, learned a lot and I was really fascinated with the process, basically the entire process of how Panos and his team brought the surface from, you know, conception to getting the promise for three versions to where they are today uh, uh, with the Surface Pro 6 and beyond. And really, really good read. I can't recommend it highly enough. Uh, the book, I'm not a huge industry book reader. I'll be the first to admit that I do not read industry books. I, I can't name one that I've ever re read, actually. Uh, being in the industry, being part of this industry, uh, being tied in intrinsically into sales and marketing and channel sales and that sort of thing. So I've never really been outside of the industry. So I've always had this kind of insider you know, information. Some of this, some of this stuff I've always been kind of privy to and not been able to talk about. So now that I can talk about it, I can share a lot about the my other feelings, you know, my thoughts on it, what I think of the hardware, what I think of the software, uh, what I think of these devices. And it's really, this book really kind of nails uh, the story of the Surface, the story of how it came to be. Um, well done. Uh, now, with that being said, I have not personally worked uh, directly for Microsoft. I, I have worked in uh, like a contractual capacity, but... Outside of that, I've worked for other companies, and it's very similar um, to a lot of how the other OEMs get things made. And really, really, like I said, well written. Uh, the Audible version is great. Um, I, I love the uh, the voice of the guy that, that did the book. It was really good. Um, you can, of course, get the book on Audible. It's available on Amazon. I will be getting the uh, the uh, print version of the book just because I want a copy of it to have as a, as just for my for my collection. Uh, the Kindle version is available, of course, at Amazon, and also available at BeneathAsurface.com. I think you can get the EPUB version there as well. Again, this is BeneathAsurface.com, and this book is by Brad Sams at BDSams at Twitter.com. Uh, give it a check out. Uh, read it. Uh, well done. Um, can't recommend it high enough. Uh, moving along again. Uh, everyone listening, you will have to forgive me. My voice is still recovering from a cold virus, something that's just kind of lingering around. So I still sound a little rough, but I'm going to try to power through this anyway because I just love sharing this information with everyone and uh, things that I love talking about, I'm going to talk about. So moving along into the next thing is the rumored spring surface event from Microsoft. There has been rumors that are swirling around that, that Microsoft may have a spring event to announce some new Surface hardware, and of course that goes right along with my previous book review. Um, not sure what this is going to be. Uh, I've heard the term ambient computing device mentioned on a couple of websites. I have no idea what that could be other than that sounds like the HoloLens 2. I'm not sure if they're going to tie that in. Uh, it sounds like it could also be some sort of wearable. Uh, technically speaking, that would be awesome. I, I miss the band. Uh, devices from Microsoft. I, I love the band too. It was a great device. I, I couldn't find anything other than, you know, just the uh, overall wear and tear uh, of the device over time to complain about. But, uh, you know, if Microsoft were to jump back into that uh, field, which there's no indication that they will, but just my wishful thinking, uh, I would love to see a larger screen. I would love to see, you know, more integration with Windows services, more of a UI tweak toward uh, modern windows, uh, higher end materials, something a little more in line with the uh, 
the high end nature of the Surface device lineup, something that's going to seem like a very high quality product right out of the box, you know, something beautiful to wear, something that would be, you know, a statement, say, hey, this is a Microsoft product, this is a Surface product, you know, something in that family that would, would match up with the aesthetics of the Surface lineup would be would be awesome to see. You know, um, we've got Android Wear, uh, we've got the Tizen watches from Samsung, and we've got the Apple watches, which are all really great devices. And to be honest, I love the Apple Watch. It's a great device. It ties in really well with the Apple ecosystem. It works phenomenally. It's a beautiful device. Tons and tons of accessories for it, which is what I like. But I'd love to see something like that from Microsoft, you know, just to say, hey, let's 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 compete in this arena, you know, because looking at the Android Wear devices, Wear OS to me is nice. It's a little limited. Um, but everyone seems to be doing the exact same thing with Android Wear. And, and I don't mean to disparage them in any way, but every single Android Wear watch looks the same to me. Uh, even the Tizen watches from Samsung, even though they're differentiating in software and services, they look the same. They look like your off the standard off-the-mill Casio or your... You know, or your regular watch that that's been around for hundreds of years. I don't care for that. I mean, it, it's great, and I know that that's what they're going for. Uh, as a matter of fact, I was talking to uh, an exec at a at an unnamed mobile OEM that has a watch line, and that was his words exactly. Was they did not want a space age looking device on your wrist to make you look nerdy. They wanted a classic looking watch. That would be a smartwatch, and I understand his thoughts. I just wholeheartedly disagree with them. You know, I I do want a space age whiz bang looking Dick Tracy communicator watch. You know, I I want something that looks different. That's that's completely out of the normal. I don't want it to look exactly like a watch. I I, I would be okay with a larger screen. I'd be okay with a curved screen. I'd be okay with a screen that went completely around my wrist. You know, that being said, uh, I think of anyone out there that can innovate in this arena, Microsoft has the chops. You know, Panos, your team has the design chops for this. Let's see what you can do. I mean, I, you know, like I said, I have no information on this, no inside information whatsoever, just my own wishful thinking. And um, that being said, let's just move right along to something else. And that's something else, of course, being Microsoft's Build Conference coming up May 6th through 8th, 2019 at the Washington State Convention Center in beautiful Seattle, Washington. Of course, the tagline for this year's Build Convention is Imagine, Code, Create. Hey, I got that right from their website. Um, my thoughts here on this, of course, you know, they're going to talk about Windows, Client, Internet of Things, artificial intelligence, cloud, developers, developers, developers. I mean, that's Microsoft's mantra when it comes to the Build Conference, and that's what it should be. Uh, without developers, you know, there is no Microsoft. There is no software, per se. So that is what we're expecting, of course, from Build. Now, will there be any hardware? Unknown. Will there be any new, cool, freaky software Windows features? Unknown cool if there were you know microsoft's fluent design is really cool i like the direction they're going i would love to see a lot more of that integrated throughout the system uh i've got more thoughts on that a little later as far as what i would like to see as far as some ui changes but um 
outside of that for build, uh, I you know hopefully we'll see more of the you know of, of the openness that Microsoft has been experiencing lately. I mean, we're talking about something that you would never think of a couple of years ago about Microsoft being open and collaborating with its competitors, but you know, with being able to find Word and Excel and PowerPoint on iOS and Android and to some extent they were there, you know, they were there even even first in some cases. Uh, Microsoft having more and more apps on the on the iOS App Store, uh, more and more integration in Android. So it's really cool to see that collaboration from Microsoft, and I'm really excited about what they're doing around that. Of course, I'm really excited about what Microsoft is going to bring to Internet of Things, how we can see or sense that Windows is going to be moving into a direction of where you will be able to interact with smart home, with other things around your house, and still just use your core Windows operating system to control all of that, which I find, for me, I find amazing. I find it fascinating, and I can't wait to see Microsoft's take on all this. I mean, you can see, you know, Apple's HomeKit take. You can see where Amazon is going. We, we know, and we'll know a lot more about where Google is going this year with their Google I.O. conference, but uh, I think from an innovation standpoint and from a coolness standpoint and what we what we would like to see as far as, you know, everyday PC users, I think Microsoft has, you know, is on the right track, and I just can't wait to see what Bill brings. So moving right along and wrapping up the spring events, we have E3, the Electronics Entertainment Expo in Los Angeles at the Convention Center, June 11th through the 13th. Now, get, don't get me wrong. I know that the GDC conference is happening in March. That's also 18th to the 22nd, also in LA. But I don't normally talk too much or don't want to talk too much about the Game Developers Conference as I'm not expecting a ton of announcements from that. The biggest thing from the GDC that we might see would be something along the lines of Microsoft might talk about the Xbox Live uh, cross-platform functionality. Maybe, who knows? I'd love to hear more about that. Um, again, a few years ago, you would probably never hear those words in the same sentence. But with Sony being a little bit more closed off and, and kind of late to the table on this, and you know Nintendo's um, penchant for being introverted, per se, um, with Xbox and Microsoft being the one that's going to be open and cross-platform and wanting to bring Xbox Live to multiple platforms... I am just wholeheartedly bought in on that. I really want to see the functionality, see where it goes, to see what they're actually capable of there and what that truly means for Xbox Live. Um, that being said, back to E3. Uh, Chief Xbox Phil Spencer has promised, and I quote, a big and fun E3 this year that Microsoft is all in on E3. So, fingers crossed here that... Uh, He's promising some good stuff. I'm hoping that we do see some outstanding stuff from Microsoft at E3 this year. Uh, besides just games, and there are a ton of games that we could talk about that we would love to see. I mean, I really can't wait to see a little bit more about what's going on with Halo. But besides that, there are rumors floating around that we may even see a discless Xbox. Maybe one a solid state device with... A without a disc reader that strictly downloads, uh, no discs to be to input. So, be honest with you, I was torn on this originally because I have kind of been old school on this on this topic. 
I still buy my discs. I mean, I remember, you know, all the way back from buying the very first Xbox when it was available at my game, my local GameStop to today, I still have majority of my games. I still have all my Xbox One games, and just think about that now. On occasion, I do go back and play some of those older games. You know, some hold up better than others over time. And then you once in a while you get that nostalgia feeling and you go back and you play a game. But then I'm slowly realizing that I'm just taking up a lot of space in my house and it's not really it's not really as useful as it used to be. As a matter of fact, now I think about it, you know, if you look at iOS, if you buy a game on iOS, you buy it once and you delete it from your device, you still technically have it. You just re-download it at, you know, and for most for the most parts, most cases no charge unless they've done some major revision to the game. You know, you can re re-download it at any time and play it again. So I guess I'm just kind of holding on to uh, something that I shouldn't be holding on to by keeping those discs around, you know, not necessarily for the collector value or anything like that. I'm just having them here in, for, in case I get the urge to play. So um, I've kind of been changing my mind about that a little bit. So here's my thoughts. If they do bring out a discless Xbox that's for streaming and for maybe downloading games, apps, that sort of thing. It's a media center type deal. I would be kind of super excited about it, especially if it had a much smaller form factor, a sleeker design, something that would fit in with the entertainment center a little better uh, than the Xbox. I mean, if you look at it now, we've got this tiny little Chromecast, and then we've got this little Roku box or stick, and then we've got this tiny little... Uh, Apple TV, and then you've got this massive Xbox One, and this massive, you know, power brick behind that. So, that being said, if Microsoft can design that down into a really small, svelte, well-designed piece of hardware that fits in beautifully with your entertainment center and is something that you wouldn't mind displaying, I would be, I would be all for that. I would be all for maybe even ditching all of my games and going all digital. Who knows? And now, I'd like to wrap up today with some final thoughts and a reason I did the podcast the way that I did and the way the reason that I focused on Microsoft. Um, I guess I would have to say that the reason I'm focusing on Microsoft with this particular podcast is not just because of the, the, just the quantity of rumors about what's going on with Microsoft right now, but just the fact that since the Surface devices have launched... I have actually been just completely enamored with these things. I have, for the most part, and if you've listened to either of my other two podcasts, you know that I'm platform agnostic. I've been in this industry for a long time. I was a huge Apple fan uh, back when it was really uncool to be an Apple fan, when you'd walk in the store and get laughed at for wanting to buy an Apple computer. And I have been that way for the longest time, but as I've been in the industry over the years and as I've kind of grown, I've become much more, I guess, open to other other ideas around the industry. I've, I've been a heavy Chrome OS user. I have been a heavy Windows user. I have used Android. I have, you know, even had Linux installed uh, on several devices over the last couple of years. And I've really, I've really grown in what I'm capable of accepting and what I like and what I bring, you know, what I can just kind of use on a day-to-day basis. But I continue to be excited about what's new in the industry and what companies are doing 
as far as innovation and and where they're going and everyone and their brother in the industry has kind of announced all of these new form factors and new new kind of design directions but if anyone that i've noticed that has really gone above and beyond and has been innovative and has been really kind of pushing the boundaries and that's uh microsoft and you know give a hand to panos panay and his team uh for the surface devices they have really really uh made a statement and i'm I have been excited about them. I've been using a Surface Go as, you know, off and on as a, a daily plaything, I guess you would say. It's it's the perfect size to take with me wherever I go. It is like having a full computer that almost fits in your pocket. I mean it's 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 not super powerful, but it's it's usable. Uh can't really find anything to fault it about. You know, if other than to say that the next iteration of that device, I really hope they go with thinner bezels, and I hope they go with a much more powerful device. You know, uh, even as far as to say, I would love to see what that device would be capable of with an ARM processor. You know, and and much longer battery life. Um, again, but without skimping on the graphics capability, you know, that's key. I think that having something small like that that would still be capable of playing a game or two would not hurt one bit especially if it's something you can just toss in a bag and take with you anywhere at any time and i think that's one of the key features that that device offers and then of course the pen input uh the inking is phenomenal i i can't imagine not having that on a device anymore as a matter of fact every device i have now that does not have a touch screen on occasion i find myself trying to touch the screen to see you know just that that kind of that moment of oh crap i i touched my screen for no reason you know, just because I'm so used to having those interfaces around. And with that being said, I do want to touch on a few other little things, you know, about the Surface devices and about where they're going and what I'd like to see. Uh, one of the key things that I would like to see improved uh, is basically in the area of UI, uh, on-screen animations, touch targets, that sort of thing, you know. I know Windows is great. It does have inking support, but some of those touch targets are rather small, uh, especially when you get down to the smaller screens. Not so much of an issue uh, if you've got the pen, you know, which I do carry with me, but if you're using just a finger, sometimes that can get in the way. But that being said, you know, I look at some of the little things that I'd like to see different, and I may have mentioned this on an earlier podcast. I, I'm not sure, but the UI, when you go from landscape to portrait, on an iPad per se, when when you move that screen from one to the other, there's this really nice transition animation. It kind of just rolls over into place, and it's really nice looking. But when you do the same thing on a Surface device, the screen just kind of fades out, clicks off, and comes back on in the proper orientation. A lot of people are probably fine with that, and it's not a big deal. But for me, I, I I love the aesthetics. I love the, the the UI changes and the and the physics of it. So I like to see something a little smoother, better animation. As a matter of fact, the absolute best screen rotation animation I have come across is on the um, Surface Hub Two demo video, where they take the screen. Uh, I think it's in portrait mode, and they move it over to landscape while it's on the wall, and it just does that real smooth rotation. And I think there's like a water background, and everything just kind of falls and rolls into place. 
and it's just this beautiful, smooth movement. And I would love to see that become pervasive across the different screen sizes in Windows. I would love to see that animation on Surface devices. Uh, just a personal thing, you know, one of those, <laughs> hey, I like this, you know, I like how this works type thing. I love to see more interaction, more a living interaction. If you look at the Fluent design, it almost begs for that. I mean, if you if you take a look at the, the more realistic materials and the translucencies, say, for example, if you have something like sticky notes and you could put your finger on the bottom corner of the sticky note and flick up at an angle and it flipped it over in this natural motion to, so that you could write on the back side of the sticky note and you had this nice little 3D flipping over paper effect, you know, that was in real time in correlation with what your finger was doing at the same time, you know, that would be awesome. I mean, that would be something I'd like to see. Same as with moving, flipping pages in a book or or moving windows or resizing windows, a lot of a lot more interaction with the material that you're actually using or the the the, the thought of the material that you're using. And I know this kind of gets more into UI design and it may not interest everyone, but for someone like me that's always been interested in it and I've always just loved looking at it and and I love the idea of, you know, computer art and being able to draw and write on the screen and that sort of thing. Having those little realistic motions or animations are important to me, you know, and it's something that, that I like to share. Now, that being said, as where Surface is going next uh, with the different form factors, you know, that have been talked about and rumored ad nauseum, I know, you know, after listening to Brad's book and, you know, he's talking about the Andromeda device and how it's been put on hold, and then there's also been this... Um, code named Centaurus and then another code named Pegasus that have been thrown out there. Don't know if those are different sizes, different different form factors overall, or if there's still kind of a variation on that folding screen format. To me, uh, field journal size, field note size, something in the four to five inch range when closed and then open in the eight to ten inch range would be would be awesome. I think it'd be phenomenal. And again, that goes to something I believe I mentioned on my last podcast, whereas the execution of this is key because what you don't want is when you open this thing into a full screen, you don't want it to be flimsy when it's in full screen. You want it to have a locking mechanism or some sturdy feel to it so that if you're holding it in one hand and you've got a a pen or a stylus in the other and you're writing on the screen, you don't want it to accidentally flex the screen uh, because that would that would detract you from the experience that would take you out of the uh, of the interaction with the screen is where you're taking a note or drawing on the screen or creating something that's important and then the screen flexes and you lose that or you you know you have an inadvertent screen tap or or you change the the shape of whatever you're working on so the execution on this is very key so whoever's working on these i really hope they take all of this into consideration before they bring these devices to market because i truly do want to see them i truly do think that there is a use case for these devices contrary to popular belief you know there is a use case and i think people will embrace this form factor because we already embrace folding screen form factors you know every day with a laptop so that being said, it's just execution. Uh, I think that once that has been overcome, the, the whole idea of the screen being 
uniform, well-lit, touchable, usable all across. And then once it's folded flat into flat tablet mode, it is solid and sturdy and usable at that point. Then I believe we have a viable a viable field journal or a viable travel journal replacement. And I can't wait to see that. Um, that being said, guys, I'm going to end the podcast here. Thank you all for listening. Uh, give me some feedback, rate, support the podcast if you'd like. Uh, if you'd like to continue listening, uh, I, I believe I do have support built right into Anchor FM now. Uh, share the podcast. I'd love to see feedback from other folks, see who all wants to listen. And thanks again. Talk to you soon.